Christmas is one week away and some of you may be really excited for the holidays. You're looking forward to reconnecting and spending time with your loved ones. However, there may be some of you who may be feeling a little bit anxious just at the thought of being in the same space as certain relatives. Sure, you love your people, but let's face it, families can be complicated. There may have been past hurts, unresolved dramas and traumas that are causing you to worry about how you will get through the upcoming family events while staying emotionally stable. So with that in mind, today I want to share some tips with you that you can use if you are concerned about being triggered this holiday season at your family events. Hey sister friend, welcome to the Shades of Trauma Healing Podcast. Do you want to overcome the wounds and impacts of childhood trauma that are holding you back in life? Do you want to get unstuck, begin thriving and confidently living God's best in all areas? I'm Jenny L, a certified clinical trauma specialist, life coach, trauma thriver and most of all, a daughter of God living loved and on purpose. In this podcast, I'll share trauma education, healing strategies along with biblical applications and motivational stories to support you in your journey toward trauma healing and thriving. So grab your journal, settle into your favorite spot, and let's begin. There was a time in my life when my social anxiety was really bad. I was not formally diagnosed with anything, but I could tell that there was definitely something wrong. When I had to be around certain people, I would get paralyzed with fear. If it was a situation where I was not prepared for who I would see at the event, I would just turn out to be an internal hot mess. I would either mentally shut out the people I had difficulty relating to. It was like I knew they were there, but my brain just could not register their presence. I realized later that my brain and my body were trying to protect me from either the real or the perceived threat that I had in my mind. If for some reason the person talked to me, wow, well, then sometimes I was like a deer in headlights or when I tried to respond, my words would get all twisted up or I would start talking so fast. I would talk like a mile a minute and I would talk about whatever came into my head, hoping that they would be so distracted by my words that they would not actually see me. It sounds strange, right? Because if I'm talking, obviously they're going to see me. But in that moment, I wasn't thinking straight. What was happening is that I was using sort of a distraction technique of talking quickly to protect my vulnerable inner child who was so scared at the moment and just didn't want to be seen. As you deal with people in everyday life, you probably already know who you have difficulty being around and you may know how your body responds around them and what you do to stay grounded to avoid those triggers. Most of the time, people try to stay away from those people who they have trouble relating to. But what do you do when it's a family gathering and you can't really avoid it? 
And like I said, families can be complicated. So you may have difficulties relating with certain members of the family for valid reasons, but when you're all together, other family members may notice this. They may not know the details of your experience. So sometimes they may wonder why you're being so off or why don't you talk to this person or why are you so distant with that person? So on top of having to manage yourself around family members you rather not see, you may also feel like you have to defend yourself or your position to the rest of the family who have no clue what you've been through. This is a lot to navigate in family situations because with all the challenges going on generally in life and in the world, ideally we would like family to be a safe space where we could feel loved and accepted, where we could be seen and we could be valued, right? Unfortunately, we know that families are made up of hurt and broken people who are trying their best to survive in the best way they know how based on the skills and the experience and even the traumas that they had. They are people who want to get their needs met, but they are also people who sometimes hurt others inside and outside of the family. What is really sad, I think, is that many of our families do not talk about the traumas and the pain, and people walk around with secrets and hurts that remain addressed for years, so they're just responding out of a, a trauma reaction. This is the kind of situation that you may have to face over the holidays, and that's a tough space to be in. And it takes some planning to get through the events and the dinners that are coming up. So. Let's look at what do you do if this is the type of situation that you have to face for the upcoming holidays. My first instinct would be to ask if you have a choice in not attending the family event, but I know that that could bring up a whole lot of repercussions that would continue to be brought up years in the future at other family gatherings. So sometimes the only choice might be to grin and bear it by attending the event. If this is the case for you, it is best to be prepared. And the tip for today is to create an emotional safety plan. I've worked with clients to create safety plans that have helped them tremendously at social events with friends, with colleagues, and with family members. So I hope that you find it supportive. As always, you can take what I'm saying here, take what applies to you, tweak it a bit, do some research, and come up with a plan that you know would be supportive for you. So let's start with what is an emotional safety plan? A safety plan is a personalized and structured strategy that you can develop and use to help you cope with and manage a crisis or a difficult situation. You might have heard about a safety plan when it comes to work environments or physical danger, but today we're going to look at it, especially in the context of mental health and how you can develop this to prevent emotional harm. There are a few things that you would need in order to develop your personal plan for family gatherings to protect your mental health. The first thing to know would be what or who are your triggers. So think about people who would be at the event and list the kinds of interactions or situations that might lead to you being triggered or dysregulated either emotionally, physically, or both. Think about the people. Try to understand who would be there, 
recall or examine the type of relationships you've had with these people. You can also try to find out about the location of the event, certain events that you have gone to in the past or certain locations that you have gone to in the past may have unpleasant memories for you. So that in itself could be a trigger. So just think about all the factors involved in this event, the people, the location. Think about any family rituals or patterns that you know happens at these gatherings that might be a trigger for you. So make a list of these and and get to understand what the triggers might be and just take a note of them for right now. The next thing that you would want to do is to get some internal coping strategies. It's really important to have coping mechanisms or activities that you can do independently to help you manage the stress or difficult emotions that may come up. And you would need to be doing this before the event. So what are your go-to strategies? This might include activities like deep breathing exercises or meditation. It could be listening to calming music. You can practice these on the days leading up to the event and then make a list of activities that you can do to keep yourself regulated when you're in the situation or at the event itself. I talked about some somatic exercises in episodes 9 and 10, so you may want to refer to that if you're not already familiar with it. Also, just look at your trusted go-to activities. Make a list of those coping strategies that would work for you in the different type of scenarios you listed above, and then have them at hand and be prepared to use them. Next, we would look at some external coping strategies. For this tip, what you want to do is survey your external environment and look for people and other type of external supports on the day or even leading up to the event. This could look like thinking of a family member or a person who would be there, someone who could look out for you if you notice you start to feel triggered. You may be able to share your experience with this person before the family gathering and then make an agreement to look out for each other during the event. Think of what would help you and be specific about what type of support you would need in the moment so the other person knows how to show up for you. Another thing would be to get a good night's sleep before the event if you can. If you're using your relaxation exercises before the event, this could be helpful to support you in getting a good night's sleep. And also to help you feel more comfortable and confident on the day, dress in clothing that you know you look good in, clothing that brings you joy, that makes you feel like you, clothing that is comfortable. So that would be the other thing that you can participate in. And at the event, have your physical strategies available. This involves surveying and looking for a safe environment. I touched on this a little bit before. So if you're familiar with the place where the event would be held, see if you can identify a space where you know you feel safe physically and emotionally. For example, if it's a childhood home and you know within that home there is a space or a location where you've always felt safe as a child, try to connect with that feeling of safety that's connected to that particular space. If possible, during the event, 
go to that space when you need a breather or you need to practice your internal exercises if you feel yourself becoming triggered. For emotional safety, and this depends on the family dynamics and your position and role in the family, but if the conversation starts going down a track where you know you would not be comfortable with, you can try to divert the conversation or you can step away. And a good idea would be to constantly check in throughout the evening or whenever the event is happening with that trusted person that you made your arrangement with as a grounding point throughout the event. It is also important to make a plan for after the event because in as much as you prepare going into it, you really have no idea how it will go because people are people and they're not predictable. So make a plan for after the event in case you were triggered. And even if you were not triggered, it is also something to look forward to. This can look like having a trusted person who you can debrief with about your experience. Just talk it out and let it out of your system. You can have an activity that you can do for yourself, such as taking a candlelit bath or watching your favorite movie, eating your favorite dessert, or maybe just going to sleep. Make sure it's something that's nurturing and that encourages self-care, that is calming, that can help you ground after the event. Whatever you like to do, make a plan to do it just in case you were triggered at the event. It goes without saying that if someone at your family gathering poses a clear and present risk of emotional or even physical harm, your plan can include steps to limit exposure to that person. As I mentioned before, this could mean not going to the event, but that could involve having questions about your actions directed at you or having the fact that you didn't attend brought up at future family events. You would have to weigh out what you are willing to expose yourself to and what you need to keep you safe. Try to anticipate what questions might come up or what conversations may result from you not attending and prepare responses that does not involve you having to explain or defend yourself or feel like you're under the microscope. This may mean that you might have to rehearse your answers in the mirror out loud so you can get used to the idea of what you will actually say if someone asks about your response or actions for not going or if you do go staying away and limiting exposure to certain people. But whatever works to help you feel safe, make sure you have a plan for it and put it on the table. As you meet up with your people this holiday, when you're at the event, if things are not going well, just remember that you have a choice and the evening or the event must come to an end at some point. Take notice of what you're experiencing and make sure to execute your safety plan as best as possible. A few days after the event, once you have calmed down and grounded yourself and feeling more like you, you can review your safety plan. Just reflect on the experiences you've had, what worked, what didn't work, and make some tweaks based on your experience so that going forward, you can have a more robust and tailored strategy for any other events that might come up. 
If you're seeing a therapist, a coach, or another mental health professional, you can collaborate and co-create a safety plan with them as a way of additional support. The key is to be proactive and use preventative measures to help you manage your triggers and minimize your potential emotional distress. And even as you debrief, you can also debrief with your mental health professional so that you can talk through what happened and what may need to go into your plan or what changes may need to be in force or in place so that you can be successful the next time around. It would be nice in an ideal world if it were not even an issue that you have to go through this and deal with difficult family situations. But as I like to say, we deal with life as it is, so we increase the possibility of experiencing life as we would like it to be. And now it's your turn. What do you need to put in your safety plan? I hope you're able to make one that supports you well over the holidays and one that you can use across different social settings. I do wish you every success as you navigate the Christmas season, whatever gatherings and whatever events you have to attend. Stay safe, stay regulated and have a happy season. I've been getting notes and emails from some of you sharing how this podcast is making a difference in your life. And if you took the time to drop me a line, I just want to say a really big thank you because it really blesses me to hear what value you are getting from the show. So keep your comments coming. Let me know how it's impacting you. Let me know topics that you would like to hear, things that are of concern to you, and I will do my best to release episodes addressing what you have requested. I love connecting with and hearing from you. So there are a few ways that you can connect with me. You can sign up to become a Shades of Trauma Healing Podcast Insider. The address to subscribe is subscribepage.io forward slash sth podcast. And as an insider, you'll receive weekly inspirational emails and you'll get first access to podcast developments as they unfold. And once again, the link to sign up is subscribepage.io forward slash STH podcast. I've placed the link in the show notes for you so you can just click and go straight to the sign up page if you wish. Finally, you can email me at support at shadesoftraumahealing.com. As you prepare and wind down this week before the Christmas holiday, I do wish you a happy holiday, my sister friend, and God bless. Before you go, sister friend, did this podcast episode encourage, inspire, or teach you something new? If so, would you be so kind as to share it with another friend who needs help to overcome her childhood trauma? And don't forget to hop over to Apple Podcasts to leave a rating and a written review for the show. This way, the show can reach more sisters who need to hear it. Thank you for listening and know that I am cheering for your healing. I'll be back next week. So until then, take time to breathe and be blessed.